equipment. Damn it. <laughs> Something didn't work. take care of my... Re I was recording, but maybe I forgot to record. All right. I'm going to have to do that from the top. Okay, Luke. I'm sorry, brother. Don't be. All right. Hello, Tile friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Tile Money Podcast. This podcast is strengthening the industry from the installer up. We do this with our business education designed for contractors and shared by contractors. This education is helping tile contractors everywhere. They're building sustainable, profitable businesses. The result is actually a stronger tile industry from the contractor up. And that's what we're doing here. That's our mission. So today we've got another great interview. We've got Brent Poshusta. He's the owner of Custom Tile Installations, LLC, out of Silver Lake, Minnesota. And Brent has 20 years experience inside the flooring industry. He's actually uh, mentored under three master tile contractors before founding his own company, Custom Installations. So today, uh, Brent is operating out of a showroom. He has an installation crews uh, as well as a showroom staff, of course. So he has a lot of knowledge. And I'm excited to get into that and he's uh, willing to share. So we want to take advantage of, of this episode and um, I'd love to hear your thoughts as always. So before I bring Brent to the stage, though, I'd like to take just a quick moment to thank our sponsors. The NTCA, the National Tile Contractors Association in, in the North America, that is where you will make friends with some of the nation's most professional tile contractors you will find inside the NTCA. It can actually be one of your most valuable resources as a small contractor. You can join the NTCA and excuse me, you can join the NTCA today or visit them at tile-assn.com to find out more about what they have to offer. You can reach out to Jim Olson on Facebook and LinkedIn. All right, Ladecree International is a sponsor of ours. Ladecree is one of the oldest, uh, most innovative materials manufacturers company inside the installation, tile installation world. Born right here in the USA, a, a great family family value ran company. They actually invented Thinset. And if you haven't been keeping up with some of their products, one of their last year's launch, uh, one of their new products that they launched last year in 2020 was actually the Spectralock One Grout, which is a, a hybrid grout that actually uh, works similar to an epoxy. It gets similar ratings as an epoxy. So check out Spectralock One if you're into uh, hybrid grouts and, and uh, innovation. GoBoard is another sponsor of ours. GoBoard is a lightweight, waterproof tile backer board from John's Mansville Company. Uh, it's very easy to cut. It's, it's lightweight. It's easy to handle, easy to install. You can now build a complete shower assembly with their products. And time is money. And GoBoard saves you time and earns you more money using their products. HappyTileGuy.com is the place where you will find uh, professional websites done with you, built and managed, uh, with my partner Grant, and uh, so check out HappyTileGuy.com if you're in the in the market for a new website. And I'm grateful to all my patrons who are helping me every month with some fi financial support. Even five dollars a month adds up, and I truly appreciate it. 
If you're benefiting from this podcast, I encourage you to check out and, and consider supporting my efforts with this podcast by becoming a monthly Patreon or patron. And uh, we'll be making some, some custom content for you. All right. Well, it's time to bring Brent to the stage here. All right, Brent, let's try this again. You bet. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us today. You've got an uh, impressive resume. Uh, give us your 10,000 square foot, uh, 10,000 foot above overview of your time in the tile industry. All right. Yeah, good morning, Luke. My time in the flooring tile industry all started my senior year of high school. Um, counselor brought me in the uh, in his office and said, yeah, Brent, you know you graduate this year or it's looking lack of you graduating this year. What are you going to do? You realize, like, your report card, it was like Ds and Fs, and then shop class and art class was – A's without even trying. Sure. What are you going to do? He says, and you got to go to college. You got to go to school. And this was back in 97. And he tells me, you know, it looks like you're getting an A in welding class. Yep. Well, there's a welding program up in St. Cloud tech. You should do that. Okay. (laughs) You know, I nods it. And I enrolled for the welding program. Luke, and there was a one-year waiting list. So I enrolled in the electrical program. Mm. There was a two-year waiting list. Mm. So I think what happened, I know what happened. My mom was complaining or talking, I'm sure, to a family friend who owned a flooring store Mm. about 30 years, going, I don't know what Brent's going to do. He's not, he's got a one-year waiting list. And they said, well, Randy, the owner of the flooring store, he could use some help. Why don't Brent come work for him for a summer? And uh, then he can go do his welding program. And uh, I think just my mom comes to me and says, Brent, you should go work for Randy for the summer when you graduate. And uh, so I did. I, I listened to mom and I went and worked for the for a family friend at the flooring store. And Randy was cool. He was a nice guy. After 25, 30 years, he enjoyed his career. And he did everything from carpet to vinyl to hardwood to tile. He was a well-rounded, seasoned. Uh, and when I say it was a family business, he had his in-laws that taught him all to do it. So he was a second-generation guy who just needed a helper, a greenhorn. Mm-hmm. And that was me, Luke. So I worked for him for that summer and I learned real quick that, you know, he had an attractive personality. He was fun. He enjoyed what he did. He was very good at what he did. And I was 18 years old and he would crack a beer with me at the end of the day and he gave me beer. So at 18, <laughs> how cool was that? Right. The beer always <laughs> yeah. gets you. It ropes you in. <laughs> it, it, it did. So when it came time, and I was green. This was not a career. This yeah. was just a job. I mean, I think back of all the time. I think of this. This is a lesson because when I bring new guys on here and they're walking in the, they're walking in the pressure sensitive adhesive, they're just messing up. I think of, look at where you came from. That was you, mm. you, 
that was me in a nutshell. So when it was time to go to the welding program, I learned, I thought to myself going, why am I going to go pay for a career or pay for a, an education, right? I'm going to have to pay for an education. Mm. All my friends were at St. Cloud for a year now. And I seen the partying and drinking they were getting into. And I would go up there on weekends and do that. But then I would go home and do my day job. right? And I stuck with it. I never went to St. Cloud for the welding program because I seen that he was made a nice career, beautiful home. He had great things. He was financially well off. And I thought, my gosh, I'm already a step ahead getting paid to learn a trade. Yeah. And I stuck with it and I stuck with him for about five years, Luke, and learned the trade and got more serious now that I was thinking, okay, this is a career path. He wanted to move out of the installation of the business and get into more of the sales. Mm. So, um, I was still green. I wasn't really good enough to be out on my own. So we just split ways. He had a suggestion of another installer I should go work for that did some work with his company. And it worked out for both of us actually, because they didn't really have a position for me. They were growing and didn't have a fit for me. I went and worked for another installer who had been doing, uh, same thing, carpet, vinyl, tile, and hardwood for about 35 years. Nice. Just an old school boy doing it, you know, s- scribing in Armstrong anoleums. So get this, guess how we put down inlaid vinyl or inlaid anoleum floors? Patterns. We were making 35-foot patterns Whoa. out of red rosin paper. Layout rosin. Sure. So now the... You know, I see a lot of guys talking and doing patterns. Yeah. I, I, it's cool because it's like, yeah, patterns. Yeah, we've been doing that for 23 years, and we were doing entire kitchen, dinings. They'd flop into the office space, and we would lay out rosin paper, and then we would trace the rosin paper with squares. Mm-hmm two foot off and so you could hack in the pattern, trace it. I won't get into that, but it's just funny. Like we were like seamstress. We were like a seamstress making patterns, doing these big 25, 35 foot drops and um, worked for him for about three years. What I learned from him, I still take today. He was, he was uh, kind of the terrible boss from the standpoint of he knew what he was doing but he didn't, he wouldn't pay. There was always an excuse. If he wasn't getting paid, I wasn't getting paid. Why he wasn't getting paid. Who knows? He was, he was a classic. He was a classic example of just because you're really good at what you do. Doesn't mean you should be your own right business owner. And he, he was a, in my opinion, a bad business owner, right. but I learned from that. And I actually quit working for him after about three years, but I took a lot of knowledge from him, Luke. I bet. It sounds like it. So you were able to kind of, you know, take the first experience, the second experience, you know, and even learn from the negative stuff that was was going on. And you probably were like, man, I'm never going to do this, right? I apply that today to my staff, to my employees, going, don't treat an employee like that. His problems are not 
his problems should not be the employee's problems. Yeah. Which was a classic case. Then I joined up with another company, Williams Ceramic Tile. Now, Mark had been a 30-year tile guy, just tile. Mm -hmm. And he had hunted me out on a big job we were working on. I was doing all the all the uh, VCT flooring on a power plant. Mm-hmm. He was doing all the tile on a power plant. And I was to my wits ends wanting to quit for this company. And he came in and he's like, are you managing this whole job? Are, are you here? Where's, where's your boss, Mark? And he, you know, he's off doing his thing and pretty much on the spot. This guy like had hunted me out and said, what do you make and what do you need? You should come work for me. And that was company vehicle, gas card. I may have fibbed a little bit on what I was making so that he would pay me more. And he did. And it was like, okay, here we go. I'm going off on another company. And Luke, here's where my, you know, I had been doing a tile work with these other two companies. Now here's where the tile just blew my mind because Mark was getting into, you know, this is late, early 2000s, I suppose, mm. probably like 05, 06. Mm-hmm. He was working on nothing less than a million-dollar home down in the Minnetonka area, which, as you know, Minnetonka is one of the richest yeah. nice. community nice. neighborhoods in Minnesota. And he had two awesome contractors that had really nice accounts, and we'd be on jobs for – two to three months at a crack, we'd show up and there'd be just pallets of natural stone. Mm -hmm. And we were doing everything in the house. We were building the showers. And what's really cool, what I learned from Mark was how to do mud work. Nice. Mark was an old school mud guy, right? And it's like to have that in my back pocket is sweet, right? Yeah. And he opened my eyes and what you can do with tile. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there again, he was really good at what he did. He had me managing a couple guys really quick early on. and But it was bad, Luke, from the standpoint of the nicest guy ever. He was the nicest boss. Yeah. Truly, sincerely, genuinely nice. But the schedule was in his head. Mm. And he was busy and he was in demand and I don't even think he wrote it down. Right. And he would send me to Mrs. Smith's job to tile out her bathroom. And Mrs. Smith would meet me at the front door going, where have you been? Where are you? And I'm going, Hey, I'm just Brent. Like you must be dealing with Mark. I'm just here to put in your floor. Well, I mean, we were supposed to be there a month ago. Right. And I was supposed to be there at 8 o'clock. Right. But my boss never told me that. You know, whatever, I'd get set up. And uh, he was getting in trouble all the time, not being where he was supposed to be. And I'll wrap the story up here, Luke, by I worked with him for about four years. And that was so consistent of the work was awesome. We were doing cool things, but clients were pissed. He was not showing up when he was supposed to. I was getting reeled into that and dealing with it head on, but didn't have the control, right? Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't in the position. I wasn't talking to these clients. Now at this point, I've been in the game for 10 years and uh, maybe 12. 
I was doing a lot of side gigs. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I'd work for him for nine hours and then I'd come and work five hours, four hours doing a side job. Sure. I got my, I got confident in the standpoint going, okay, I can make as much in four hours after work right? as I just did a nine hour for him. And I'm in direct contact with these clients. Yeah, I'm there when I'm supposed to. And I started to realize and figure out, Luke, okay, if my current boss, Mark, can run his own show, right. Right. I can do this, right. right? Yeah. So there it is. So I took the leap. And what was so reassuring is when I told Mark I'm quitting, I mean, he begged me to stay and he said, if it don't work out, you have a job back. Please yeah. come back. So what better, uh, you know, what better confidence to basically flee the coop, if you will, knowing that, geez, if I fall on my face, right, I got a job back. Yeah. I got my same job back. And I never looked back, Luke. I never looked back. I, I, I hit the ground running. And uh, what was the time span? Five, six, eight years? Or four four or five years. Okay. So, no, 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 no. For so, what Luke, the time span for oh, what? from, from the beginning of, of you working, um, you know, you taking that summer job, right. You took that summer job yeah. to the point where you went on your own summer job, 97 to between the three different companies, uh, nine to 10 years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of being employed through yeah. three different, uh, three different guys. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good. I could have done it sooner. I could have done it sure, sooner. Sure. So it's not like it has to. I, I'm not suggesting or saying that's my story. I did that for ten years as employment before I realized I really wanted to be my own boss. Yeah. Uh, no, no problem. I was just kind of curious for my own. I was listening yeah. to this this story. I want to thank you for sharing it, and uh, so much of it is so relatable, right? I mean. Uh, different, you know, characters that we end up working for or working with and, you know, some of their, you know, qualities like, like Mark had a lot of great qualities, but he was lacking on, on some other areas like scheduling and business. And um, I want to yeah. jump back to the point where Mark actually headhunted you. I thought that was a yeah. great lesson to learn if there's any uh, young apprentices out there kind of sick of their job or whatever, um, you know, take a lesson from Brent here. Brent was putting his head down, getting to work, not knowing that the tile guy was checking him out for probably days, maybe, maybe longer before he approached you. And that's the way a lot of times these things work. It seems like that's how you get talented help these days. I mean, the, if you're an employer looking for a talented guy, he's not sitting around, on his couch waiting for a job. He's, he's working. He's, he's a, he's a rock star employee for another company, but disgruntled. I was that disgruntled employee who was just putting his head down and working. Yeah. And when that opportunity came up, it boom. Yes, please. Yeah. And Mark, I mean, Mark reminds me of so many, uh, great, skilled craftspeople in the trades in general and tile who, you know, they're great at what they do, but man, do they, 
not run a business, you know, they're just bouncing, yeah. bouncing from job to job. Um, I, I mean, I've had bosses like that and I've known, you know, I've, I've watched 70 year old guys loading thin set into their Chevy love pickups because they're good at what they do. They're in demand, but that doesn't mean they're, you know, they built a business. Um, and that's, that's why I started this for, for all the marks out there. Yeah, you're right. And he was, his job was putting out fires. Yeah. Yeah. It was like that's what he was constantly doing, battling fires, which was sad because he was still in demand. You know, he, right. he was still in demand because once a client got us there, the work got done and we committed. We committed to a job and we did stay there and we got it done. I just don't think he could figure out how long we were going to be there and yeah. actually be real with clients on when we're going to get there. I remember my old boss, he would, uh, we'd be driving to, you know, job to job to job. And we worked, you know, 12, 15 hour days. We did production work, track homes when I, the first boss I had. And sometimes the phone would be ringing in the truck and he'd just like, he'd say, I'm not answering that. And I'd be like, why not? And I'm like the 17 year old kid. He's like, oh, they're pissed. <laughs> and I was like, why did we do something wrong? He's like, well, no, we were supposed to be there two weeks ago and I won't be there till next week. <laughs> yeah. So that's a great lesson. I mean, I've learned that today. Yeah. We've got, I always say I've got, you know, however many clients I have on the books, that's about how many bosses I have. Right. So I feel like I've got about 20 bosses right now mm-hmm. of clients on the books. None of them are mad. Right. They all know where we're at. Right. They, I, I've learned to be honest with them and not take on any more than what we can handle. Mm-hmm. So back in 2007, you opened up your own business. Uh, did you always have the, the showroom? Because now you're a, you, you're a showroom owner. Did you have that vision in place? And how did, how did you go about opening that? I don't think I did have that vision originally, no. Okay. Um, you know, I we were just uh, working from my house. We, uh, I, I started to get guys underneath me because, so now, yeah, so now I'm working on my own, right? Working through flooring stores, Luke, right? That was the easiest thing to do was just that, um, you know, I wasn't working direct with builders when I went on on my own. I was hooked up with a couple floor stores and it was nice to have them feed you work. Right. And I did that for a while. I did that for a while. And I worked the one thing that I had unique going for me is that I worked through multiple floor stores and it seems that was a rarity around here. We're a small tight niche area and there's three floor stores when it's within a 30 mile radius. They, seem to try to own all of their mm. subcontractors. Like you work for me, you don't put a logo on your van or your trailer. And right from the start, I plastered up my trailer with custom installations. And I had stores tell me, yeah, Brent, if you're working for us, you can't have that. You can't have your sticker on your trailer. And I fought that from early on going, listen, you don't own me. You don't pay my taxes. You don't pay my work comp. You don't, you, I'm, 
I'm my own company. Yeah. And I realized that from day one, when I went on my own, I'm my own company. They wanted to treat me like an employee when I wasn't getting the benefits as an employee, I was a sub. Mm. And the one thing I had going for me was my quality spoke for itself. So they were trying to hardball me. Right. And at the end of the day, they wanted my skill on their jobs. And I said, no, my custom installations trailer is going to be parked in your yard. Take it or leave it. And I can actually see why they have a problem with that. You know, they sell the job. It's their client. It's that floor store. And now your custom installations has got a van parked in the yard for a whole week. You know, who's getting credit for it? Not fully them. So I understand, but I was able to do that through three different floor stores just by the quality and I think my thoroughness too, you know, I, I, what I learned through all them three companies, I applied it and excuse me, took a little bit of, took a little bit from each guy and then took from myself and kind of had a well-rounded approach of what I was doing. Yeah. That's such a great, um, I'm so proud of you that you pulled that off because this is a subject that comes up a lot in Tile Money Group, Facebook group is, you know, if I'm a subcontractor, which, you know, I encourage guys to get away from as, you know, as soon as they can, but I understand why they do it and, and how it's a good, easy start sometimes into the business. It is an easy start. Yeah. They, you know, the store measures the job, sells the job, right. orders the flooring and, uh, you give them a price list, right? And yeah. you see me laugh and a smirking as I say price list, right? Right. Because, right. you know, you give them a price list and just boom, you're not even bidding jobs. You're just going to work. You're getting paid by the square foot. And it works. It, it really does. And not nothing against it. I mean, yeah. it, you know, people, people who own floor stores need oh, yeah, things yeah. like that. Yeah, I've got nothing against it myself um, other than just, I, you know, at, at some point, you know, you, you can move past it. But it's a yeah. great lesson because this subject comes up of, hey, they don't they want me to take my shirt off and put theirs on. And even it could be a general contractor, it could be a, a floor. But when you're a subcontractor, you do run into this issue from time to time. And what Brent said was, hey, stay true to your quality and you're going to be the one calling the shots and they're going to have to adjust their thinking. They're going to have to adjust that, you know, their perspective because they want you. hundred <laughs> percent. That's cool. Mm-hmm. What, what lessons did you learn then when you went to open your own um, storefront brick and mortar and how long ago was that? So we opened up our brick and mortar here uh, seven years ago. And how I got into this brick and mortar was just ironic. We didn't even plan for it, Luke. So nine years ago when my first child was born, my daughter, uh, that was my reality moment of, okay, how am I going to do everything I do? Because I was working early mornings, late nights, and because uh, I was working I, in my prime, you know, I was in my mid thirties and, uh, well established to where, what else just work. I was money hungry. Right. Yeah. And I had a lot of things in place to do it. I had, uh, 
four good guys working for me, but I was doing everything right. I was bidding every job, managing, scheduling, taking every phone call. So it was that point when my first child was born, when I realized, okay, now you got to be a father. You know, my wife understood. So as far as being a husband, she knew what she married. She married a workaholic, right? Right, right. No surprise. She allowed that to happen. Mm-hmm. But now comes the kid, right? And I'm going, you got to be a dad. Your baby don't understand that you're working late and early. What do you do? Yeah. And so for the first time in my life, I did the scariest thing ever. And I put out an ad for an office manager. And that was scary because I've hired employee installers all the time. That's easy. I knew that game. I knew how to hire installers. Now hiring someone to do my job, take over, uh, be the face of the company. That was scary. And, uh, but I knew I needed it. I knew I needed someone that could help estimate jobs who could answer the phone. And I put out a Facebook ad, Luke, Mm. for an office manager position. And here's what's so cool. Uh, A gal named Kathy replied to my ad. And Kathy's still here today with the company. Kathy came from a floor store that I was working for. Uh, she was an in she was an internal sales. She had 25 years of on the whoa. sales floor. She was telling me where and when to go. She was already working for a flooring store, right, Luke. Right. Selling jobs, booking jobs, calling me for seven years, saying, Yeah, Brent. We got a shower to build. We got this floor to do. She knew me. Mm. And I put the help wanted ad out there, and she was the first one to reply going, yeah, Brent, I'm interested in what you're offering. I already know you. And uh, here it is. Kathy's still here. Wow. And likely will be, you know, until she's ready to retire. Yeah. And uh, so it's really neat how that worked out. So that was – to answer your question, Luke, then like, what did I learn? How did we get into the brick and mortar? Hiring Kathy was a scary moment from the standpoint of giving up that, giving up, you know, and delegating, delegating out my tasks. That was why I brought her on. I brought her into my home. I put her in the basement of my house, put together a crappy home office. I can't believe she even worked in it. I mean, it, our basement was unfinished. We built a crappy office with a table in the corner and luckily she could look out a window at least, but I put her in the basement of my house to just proof of concept and I brought her on half time. Mm. And cuz I only thought I thought at that time that's that's all I could afford. That's mm-hmm. all I could do. And very quickly realized okay, Kathy, we're bringing you on 40 hours a week salary. Um, Man, yeah. We, we built a big home. Sh- uh, we built a big shop on my home property. We put up like a, a 36 by 48 shop. Mm-hmm. Kathy was working out of the basement of my house. So the employees were 
We used my shop as my as the business for the vehicles, the tools, the overhead. Kathy was down in the basement managing us. And we did that for two years and it worked really well. But what we quickly realized was, you know, we needed a place we could invite clients to. I mean, we had builders who wanted to drop off blueprints, clients who wanted to show us samples. That meant Kathy was going everywhere. We weren't going to invite a client and a builder in into my crappy basement, you know? <laughs> so she had to go everywhere. Mm. And what we realized after two years, Luke, was we were on the hunt for an external office. Mm-hmm. All I needed was office space just to get Kathy out of the basement into an office. And so now we're looking for office space and we're seeing what things are costing and we're figuring out where we should position her. And that's where this building came up that we're in today, Luke, a family friend owned a 1940s Amoco gas station. So everyone can picture what an old Amoco self-serve picture, the self-serve Amoco gas station with the pumps outside. It was full, not self-serve, sorry, full service, service. right? Full service, old Amoco gas station. So it had a, has a shop with, you know, two overhead doors Mm -hmm. and then it has an, uh, a side space, which is what you would walk into and you can picture it was set up with a couple chairs and a coffee table and a little till where it would, you know, you'd get rung up has the men's and women's bathroom on the outside of the building. Right. We still got the keychain with the big wooden uh, handle on it. So you don't steal the bathroom keychain. Yeah. And this came up. He, there was a, a franchise gas station that moved into our little town by the way, I live in a town of 650 people, Whoa, by the way. If I was going to ask. Silver <laughs> Lake, 650 people, mm-hmm. by the way. Wow. Um, so this business stopped, and he was just using it for personal storage. Oh. I approached him if he would be willing to rent this building out. Mm. And what quickly evolved, Luke, where I was just trying to get Kathy out of my basement into an office, turned into us moving into a full building with an office and a warehouse and a little bit of showroom space, and we just went for it. Mm. And I seen the big picture going, holy crap, we're moving the entire company off my personal property, yeah. not just Kathy, the whole crew. Yeah. And... uh we never look back and uh so and it just all quickly evolved to where once we were in this store to utilize kathy's talents and sales which is what she's been doing she's got a double major in interior design so pretty well-rounded sales all we have all these people coming in going well we just wish you could supply the tile Mm -hmm. we wish you could supply the whatever the hardwood flooring right yeah and we're still very limited our showroom space is small mm-hmm. what we utilize a lot on our distributors luke on our tile end of things is their catalogs mm-hmm. uh throw a couple names out there dal tile Kalo, emzer virginia tile they have beautiful catalogs i mean yeah two inches thick beautiful photos 
tile selections. So you're we'll sell, you're, you're selling tile with a very small footprint, maybe like a comfortable area for the for the clients to come in and 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 browse catalogs, which is you know appealing to. I would imagine a lot of people in uh, in that area, and in, in general, people want to get out and look at it. I'm sure. Do you use any digital catalogs on top of that, or? Yeah, we'll utilize the distributors' um, websites. Sure, they have beautiful websites yeah. that they invest a lot of money into, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll, we've we've created a shopping list, if we if you will, mm-hmm. in no particular order with the manufacturer with you know, down in Plymouth, Luke, as you know, there's an array of tile distributors that have gorgeous showrooms, nice catalogs, um, and, um, and very nice websites. So we've put together a really nice page that just says, if you want to go shopping, it doesn't say if you want to go shopping, we'll tell them if you want to go shopping, here's a list of places you can go. And it will have all their information on the address, the phone number, the website, and uh, hey, I'm on the phone. <laughs> um, <laughs> you got to uh, handle something real quick. Nope, not okay, at all. Okay, okay. Nope. Um, yeah, so, so, so I'm sitting you, in my. So we would. Uh, you're, you're utilizing well, maximizing those partnerships to. We are because our footprint is so small. We got a place that the clients can come into, um, but we'll take advantage of that. And what's really nice is if someone just picks something out of a catalog or sees it on the website, we'll try to tell them to narrow it down to four selections. Mm. Um, these tile distributors will mail samples direct to the client within the week so that they can touch it feel it and make a selection from it. And uh, then what we do is then we'll grab those samples and we got a pallet rack and we're just building our collection of samples that were mailed for free, Luke. I mean, these distributors will mail them to the client for free Mm -hmm. and then they'll make a selection and we'll order it. And uh, I'll share my margin. Everything's marked up 50%. Mm-hmm. and uh that's how we that's how we're operating that's awesome well i, I appreciate you, you being you know so forward and sharing you know behind the scenes uh i love the fact that when your daughter was born you said i got to make a change here that's similar to my story that's how i felt um you know, and, and you had this, you weren't quite sure what you were going to do. Right. But you knew you had to, uh, work a little bit less, be a little bit more available for your growing family and, um, and look at where you are today. And I love the fact that you hired Kathy without a proper, you know, quote unquote space for her. And you kind of had you, you both Kathy and yourself and everybody involved, your wife, everybody took a leap of faith here and chased something that you believed in. And I mean, how encouraging. Thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to be respectful of your time here. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
we're coming up on an hour. Uh, I did want to talk to you uh, recently. Uh, the, last year, you became a, a customer of HappyTileGuy.com. Um, thank you, first of all, for trusting us with your online web presence. Uh, how, how's the experience been so far for you? Absolutely great, Luke. The experience grant is phenomenal. Um, I put a lot of it in my wife's hands. She's more, um, I knew that she could answer the questions that Grant needs to put together and customize a website just for us. And um, so I put my wife in charge and Molly just loves the experience too. And uh, we had, I've had, two different websites. So from the day that I started business, um, I, I invested in a website and then I just didn't touch it for about five years. And I'll share this. We were working with a local newspaper company and they're a very well-rounded company where they write newspaper for the surrounding community. They do, graphic art so they'll do screen printing they actually wrapped both of my vans Mm -hmm. and then they offer a a website service and i thought that'd be a great place to get my website because they've got journalists right and they can critique grammar and they could put together this beautiful website and guess what grant brought to my attention really how bad it was. And I always knew it wasn't, Mm -hmm. uh, I knew the SEO was not there. Mm -hmm. And I I really want to touch on that. I I had my last website for five years and it was challenging to get changes made, Mm -hmm. you know, photo updates. I had to come up with everything. So it was all on me to come up with content and Let's face it, I'm not good at that. That's not my strength. That's not my strength to be what is a good website. I don't know what is good content. I mean, I could come up with it, but I didn't. I knew I needed it, but I wouldn't take the time to do it. So it just sat there and it just got older and older. And as you know, your website is only who reads old news. No one picks up a two week old newspaper and and really reads it and applies it to where. Grant, you know, brought help helps keep it fresh mm. and current, and uh, the SEO work on our new website through Happy Tile Guy. The SEO work is getting us into communities that I never got into. I mean, I'll give you an example. I mentioned Minnetonka is a rich area. Mm. We got invited into Bear Path about two months ago. Bear Path is a gated community of, uh, well, if you want to live in a gated community, it's, it's private. There's a full time check-in person. You check in, you tell them you're coming in. And Grant asked me, where do you want to work in particular order? Yeah. And he did what he does. And uh, and I specifically named Bear Path as I want to get in there. Yeah, sure enough. Never in my career, Luke, have I been connected to anyone or gotten into Bear Path. And now I now I have. That's great. Isn't that incredible? That's great. I know. Yeah. 
I seen the instant gratification on on these new leads coming in, and I and so we've got a contact us page mm-hmm. through the website. I those come in on average about one a day a nice. contact. So we know the website is in front of people. Yeah. Well, that's music to my ears. I'm, I'm glad it's, it's working out and increasing your leads and got you into bear path. That's incredible. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Brent, this has been a, a great episode. I know a lot of folks are going to benefit from listening to this probably more than once. I again, want to thank you for taking time out of your busy day. Uh, and I hope you have a good one here. Yeah, thanks, Luke. Same to you. Appreciate you having me. All right. Take care, Brent. You too, Luke. Bye-bye. All right, Tile friends. Well, that was another great interview with Brent, and I really appreciate how open he was. Uh, his story, how familiar was that to so many of us, I'm sure, working with different, uh, different, you know, really mentors in the business. And it sounds like he had some, some good ones there to learn from, and he's kept true to his vision. I just love the fact that everything's falling into play for him. And uh, Silver Lake being a town of 600 people, uh, if, if he can do it there, um, you know, you can do it wherever you are. So uh, stay true to your vision, Tile Friends. Uh, stay positive, and by all means, stay profitable, Tile Friends. Talk to you next week. Enjoy your weekends and your week. <laughs>